Well, Christmas week is finally here. And this is such a special time of the year for so many of us. There's warm feelings and there's uh, remembering old Christmas memories and making new Christmas memories. College students are home. Loved ones are coming over. Presents are under the tree. For many of us, things are going well at work. But for some of us, that might not be the case. For some of us, it may be the first Christmas after a divorce, the first Christmas since that special loved one passed away, the first Christmas since that diagnosis. And as special as these times can be, they can be just as hard. But my hope, regardless of where you are today, my hope is that you would see and leave with a new confidence in our God and a new dose of hope for this time of year. And whether you're a new believer or whether you're not even sure you're a believer yet or whether you've been at this for a long time, our hope is that you would leave with the hope of Jesus Christ. You can turn to Luke chapter 2 and verse 1. Very familiar passage of Scripture. It says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was a house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her, birth, or her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, And wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Now this was the first advent, the first coming of Christ. And even if today you are a skeptic, you have to admit that this does not read like a myth. There's so many historical and verifiable facts in this passage. When did this event happen? It happened during the reign of Caesar Augustus. When during his reign? Right after the first decree of registration, during the same time that Quirinius was the governor of Syria. This isn't just a long time ago, far, far away. No, this is 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem, the place where Micah the prophet said the Messiah would be born during the reign of Caesar Augustus, right after the decree of the first registration. See, this isn't just a story. No credible historian disputes the fact that a man named Jesus was born 2,000 years ago and that Romans killed him on a cross and that he made a big impact. And not only that, but 2,000 years ago, historians that were not Christians said that Jesus lived and also somehow did miracles. But see, here's what really sets Jesus apart, and that's the resurrection. No one has ever been dead for three days and then raised himself back up to life again. Not David Copperfield, not David Blaine. Jesus wasn't a trickster. He is God in the flesh. And the cross and the resurrection is what makes Christmas such a big deal. See, when Jesus was just a teenager, his birthday was just his birthday. But now after the resurrection, it's Christmas And the whole world comes together to celebrate that Jesus wasn't just another baby. 
This Jesus came and lived and died and rose again. And the New Testament, when it talks about the uh, the resurrection, it doesn't just say, trust me. Trust me that this happened. No, it says 500 people, eyewitnesses, saw Jesus alive again. 1 Corinthians 15 says, here are these eyewitnesses that are still alive today. Go and ask them about the resurrection. Go and ask them what they've seen. And that's important because once you are settled on the resurrection, the rest of the story is easy to believe. And that's what we've been talking about this whole month, is that God came down to rescue you and to help you, to give you a new heart, to bear your griefs and your sorrows, and not just to step into the world, but to step into your life, to give us his righteousness and to lead us with his spirit. God did not abandon us. He keeps his promises. And you can have confidence that in all that, in all those things, despite what kind of Christmas you're having. We talked about this already, but that we have these problems, that we have these bents towards sin, this brokenness inside of us, and that we're all like distracted sheep that have gone astray. But if you were to ask Jesus why he came, he would tell you this. This would be his mission statement in Luke 19.10. This is what Jesus says. He said, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Paul goes on in his letter to Timothy and builds on this idea in 1 Timothy 1.15. And it says, this is a trustworthy saying and deserving of full acceptance that Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost of sinners, Jesus might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Paul says, hey, you think you're bad? Well, I'm worse. And if he can save me, then he can save you. And Paul's telling you today that no matter what you have done, Jesus Christ can save you too. And if you're lost today, there's great news. The Bible says Jesus is seeking you today. He's looking for you today. And he wants to save you from the penalty of your sin and to save you from the hopelessness and the emptiness. But here's where the next step is. And that's that Jesus didn't come just to rescue you, but the you beside you, and the you down the street, and the you that you work with. Jesus invites us into this rescue mission. We used to play a form of manhunt when I was a kid. How many of y'all remember that, right, when kids used to play outside? I'm still in that. I know I'm a millennial, but I, I did that. I didn't have a phone until I was like 21, okay? So don't lump me in with those hoodlums down here in the front row. (laughs) We used to play a form of manhunt, and uh, it was a lot like hide and seek, except for when you got caught, you became part of the seekers, and you went and started helping looking. And this is the gospel, is that Jesus came to rescue you, and now you are a part of the rescue party. Matthew 28, 18 says, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Jesus says, I have the authority to send you. And then he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And behold, you're not going alone. I am with you always to the end of the age. See, Jesus in this passage has already risen from the dead, and he's about to ascend to heaven. And he says, okay, I came to seek and to save the lost, and now it's your turn. But not just to see them saved, but become Christians, to, to disciple them like I discipled you, seeing them take the step of baptism, teaching them to go and make disciples themselves. Seeking them, not waiting for them to come to you. And this is how Christianity spreads. This is how light pierces the darkness. Not because of some legislation in the government, not because of some celebrity, not because of the personality of a preacher, but because hiders became seekers over and over and over again. And 2,000 years ago, out of this city in Jerusalem, where there was only 100,000 people then in that city, out of that city spread all over the world to now where there's 2 billion people that claim the name of Jesus Christ. Why? Because as true Christ followers, we have always be- realized that we need to get to the point where we understand that not only does Jesus love me, but he loves the person beside me. So here's a question and a challenge. I'm sure you weren't hoping for this on Christmas, but here's a challenge, because this is one that's convicting, and it convicts me. Have you taken part of this grand mission? Do you have any, quote-unquote, spiritual children? Or are you a broken link in this grand and amazing game of whisper down the lane? Has anyone ever come to Christ because you told someone? If you're a follower of Christ, this is your mission to go and make disciples. This is the great commission. This is not a suggestion. And the most wonderful and amazing thing about it is that we get to see the fulfillment of these Old Testament promises that peoples and tongues all over the world are praising God this morning somewhere in a body of Christ in every country, in every place, together with us, all over the world. Have you taken part in this? And that happened, not because of some marketing campaign, not because some person was elected somewhere, not because some celebrity got saved. It happened because people like you told somebody, told somebody, and told somebody over and over and over again until Billions of people knew the power and the wonderful love of Jesus Christ. This is why we're here as a church. It's not to hold up the traditions of Clarksburg Baptist Church. It's not to proclaim the name of Clarksburg Baptist Church. Our purpose is not to preserve the history of this church. This is not a museum. Our mission is to be a hospital for the sin sick, a triage center for the broken and the hurting. Our mission is to proclaim to this community that Jesus saves. 
And any other priority or purpose that we have falls far below that singular purpose that Jesus saves and Jesus rescued me and he can rescue you too. As a member of Clarksburg Baptist Church, you should be constantly asking yourself, is Because it's, if it's not, then we've already begun to die. Ask yourself that. What are the things that I complain about the most? What are the things that ruffle my feathers the most? Because that's what you care about. What was the last time your heart was heavy because of missed opportunity to tell someone about Jesus? Now, this year we've made a special effort to push this great commission all over the world. And we've doubled down in places like Haiti and in Cuba. And we've made efforts in Indonesia with the water walk. We've pushed against poverty in Burkina Faso, Africa. We've helped with Bible translations in Cameroon, Africa. We've fought human trafficking. We've helped refugees displaced by war. We've cared about children by coming alongside CPS and Child Protective Services and sleep in heavenly peace to make sure no kid in Harrison County sleeps on the floor. Life Choices Pregnancy Resource Center and the Washington Irving Food Pantry. Overall, with just our above and beyond monthly giving, we've given as a church over $15,000, not to mention the world market and not to mention all the other ways that we've been able to give. But why do we do this? It's because this is our mission, to love people to Jesus. Jesus came to show us love on Christmas, so we go to others to show them love so that hopefully, prayerfully, and ultimately, they might know the love of Jesus as well. And yes, we hope that those who are without Christ might come to know him, but we offer a cup of cold water to anyone that is thirsty. And we don't just give to see people saved. We give because we are saved. And out of that abundance, and out of that example that Christ gave us, we give because... Christ gave. See, ever since sin entered into the world, God has promised to redeem and fix and heal and push back the dark. And over thousands of years, God has consistently kept those promises. We're blessed to be able to look back 2,000 years ago to the answer of those promises and to still lean on those promises today. God's kingdom continues to grow. And to push into areas where the gospel has never been before. And to bring hope to this world. Obviously, this world will always be broken until that one day when he comes back. The Bible explains that to us. But as Christians, we run into that brokenness with the promise of the healer. And as a church, we need to make sure that we aren't just studying the playbook but we're actually running the place. We have to get down into the mess and do simple things that God has gifted us with so that we might push back what is dark and reflect the glory of God to those around us. We can have confidence in this mission today because God's promises were answered in Christ, because the mission is now, right now, and we can see this around us, the mission is being accomplished, and because our future is secure. Acts 1, verse 10. 
as Jesus was ascending back to heaven. And it says, as, uh, and while they were gazing, the disciples, uh, while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes. The angels announced his birth, and here we see angels announce his second coming. Verse 11, these two men standing in white robes, and they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This same Jesus who is taking up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. See, 2,000 years ago, they were waiting for the first advent of Christ's coming. And now we're waiting for the second advent of Christ's return. 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, we are God's children now. And what, will be, what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Hey, one day in the future, we're going to see Christ. And when we see Christ, we will be like Christ. And we're promised resurrected bodies, sinless and innocent, being able to see things that we can't see now. Revelation 1, or chapter 2, verse 1, tells us a little bit more about that. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. See, in the future, God will renew the earth, making all things new, like back before the fall. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from uh, heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God will be with uh, them as their God. Check this out. It says, He will wipe away every tear from their eye, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. And then he says this. He, he also says, Write this down. He says, go get a pen, go get a piece of paper, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And this is what he said. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. See, near the end of the first advent, we saw Jesus on the cross say, it is finished. It's paid for. But here in this passage, we see God, after the second advent, say, it is finished done. It is accomplished. It is over. Death is dead. Tears are gone. Disease is gone. Sin is canceled. Wrongs are made right. Sorrow will be seen as worth it because God redeems all things. And we'll finally see what we cannot see now. Everything that God has been working towards since Genesis will be called and will be done in the twinkling of an eye, a new heaven and a new earth. Death will die, and all things will be made new. It is done. Why? Because he's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end, and he will always be. See, Jesus has made us sons and daughters of God through his great sacrifice, and one day every tribe, every tongue, and every nation will stand before the throne and worship God forevermore. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, But as it is written, what no eye has seen, 
nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those that love him. This is where our hope is, that we are closer today than we were yesterday. And if there's anything inside you that says, well, I really want to see this happen before Jesus comes back, you need to flag that as an idol because that means you want something more than you want him. And ultimately, all those things are just shadows of the fullness of of Christ that we find in him. We can't even imagine how amazing that's going to be. So for those of you that are hurting this Christmas season, know that this is not the end of the story. That Jesus is coming back one day to put a period on the very last sentence. And when that happens, confusion and pain and anger and hurt will not only seem so small, but you will get to see how it fits into the bigger picture. With this hope, we remember that there's those around us that do not know hope. And we must remember that we, as former hiders, must become seekers because Jesus loves you and he loves the person beside you. Is this mission your mission? Because one day the second advent is going to be here. And we must tell the world that we don't want them to miss out on the wonderful things that are found in Christ. And they do not want to be found standing in rejection of an almighty God. See, in the first advent, Christ came to save sinners. And in the second advent, he comes to make all things new. Oswald J. Smith challenged us with these words. He says, we talk of the second coming when half of the world has never heard of the first. This is the wonderful message of the gospel. That it isn't just for you, but for the you beside you. That God keeps his promises. That he came down to bring good gifts, to bear our burdens and our sorrows, to give us new hearts and to make us a new creation. And in one day he's coming back to make all things new. One Mississippi, two Mississippi, ready or not, here we come. Go and seek. With every head bow, every eyes closed, the band's going to come. As we head into a time of prayer and meditation, we think on these things. Hopefully God's Open up your eyes and heart to something in you that needs to change or something you need to remember or something you need to focus on. If you're that one today where you're hurting and there's sorrow and it seems like you cannot catch a breath, the stress, anxiety of the season, you have to remember that this that you're going through right now isn't forever, it's just for now. And in one day, even if in this life it doesn't all seem right, one day God is coming back to make all things new. So in the meantime, hiders must become seekers. We must remember that not only does Jesus love me, but he loves the me beside me. This old song says, Come thou long expected Jesus. Born to set thy people free. 
from our fears and sin, release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Let's take some time to think on these things. Pray and talk to our Heavenly Father.